Hi, everyone. This is Lindsay, one of the hosts of Yield Crime. Just wanted to give you a heads up that since you were listening to an earlier episode of Yield Crime, you may notice that the audio quality isn't the best. It does get better, I promise. If you are willing to stick with it, great. If you'd rather start with better quality audio, I would suggest skipping ahead to episode 19 when we purchased newer, better audio equipment. And on that note, thank you for listening and on with the show. Do you love movies? Then you love the Movie Chef podcast. Whoa, whoa, what was that? That's my professional podcasting voice for the trailer. Well, you sound very stupid. Okay, well, we need to tell people that we're two movie fans who cook up movie-themed podcasts and, and... And special episodes on Sundays. Yeah, as well as movie menus of all our favorite topics. And diving into internet rabbit holes. As well as movie news and trailer reactions every Thursday. And our sexual awakenings about Patrick Swayze. And our sexual awakenings... Wait, what? Listen, just tell them who we are, what we do, and where you can find us. The Movie Chef Podcast, where we make a meal out of movies. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Anchor, and more. Better? No. Hello and welcome to Yield Crime, where we discuss the funny, strange, and obscure crimes of yesteryear. I'm your host, Lindsay Valenti, and with me today is my sister and co-host, Maddie Stengel. I'm with you every day. Thank you. Always and forever. Forever. Yeah. Hi. Hi, everybody. Hi. How are you? I'm good. So, I really, really love and appreciate our friends on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And I say that because they all recognize how hard it is when you get things wrong or you don't know something. Yeah. And they're very kind about correcting you, which I appreciate. Okay. What did we get wrong? So this is, um, corrections cubby. So because we recorded so many episodes up front, I didn't have a chance to really correct some of these things directly after they happened yeah so oh no so we, do we have a list i have three okay so that's not bad so it's not bad it's not like no. a list of 10 it's it's not a you should probably stop <laughs> <laughs> please stop i think you should stop you know just being nice um so in the first episode our friend jenny from it's murder up north let me know that remember in the Trans Allegheny episode. Yeah. One of the reasons you could be admitted was for excitement as an officer. No, but that sounds right. And we had no idea what that meant. Yeah. So apparently she had been watching a documentary that talked about something like that recently. Oh. And she thinks that it's probably in reference to soldiers having elections while on duty. So I don't know if that means like you lost the election and lost your shit. I, I don't know what that connection is, but that's... I mean, it would make sense if it was like a soldier that wanted to go AWOL or something. Like instead yeah. of dishonorably discharging them, they just throw them in an insane asylum with 
like really come off to an asylum. I don't know what's worse, honestly. Probably that, but yeah. yeah. Okay, so that was the first one. Okay. Thank you for telling us that. Yes, thank you, Jenny. I probably got it wrong again, but <laughs> it's gonna stay in the cubby. It's gonna stay there forever. Correction, cubby. <laughs> TM, TM, TM. <laughs> and in episode six, the one about Alfred Packer, our favorite guide. Long pig. Long pig. Long pig connoisseur. I did pronounce the Indian tribe incorrectly. No. I did. Okay. How do you say it? So in the episode, I pronounced it as Ute. And it's actually Ute. Oh. Like Utah. Yeah. So I apologize profusely if I horribly offended anybody by my mispronunciation. Mispronunciation? See, there I go. I did it again. So I, again, I am very sorry for that. And then I am just noting it for in the future that it is Ute. I like that name. Mm -hmm. It's a a smoother name. I can see why they would prefer it. Mm -hmm. Same. Over the white lady pronunciation. Yeah. The dumb Midwestern white lady. And the last one is from our last episode, the Marianne Cotton one. So now this is a very recent correction. Okay. We've caught up. We're caught up now. As I already knew, I had mispronounced Gowl. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because that's how it was spelled. But it is actually pronounced as jail, which is something that my dumb American ass would not be able to know looking at it when you spell it G-A-O-L. So, also, like, fuck you for doing that. Right? Yeah. Your guys' fault, not mine. This isn't a correction. This is a you suck. <laughs> I'm sorry that you suck. <laughs> so, are you excited to hear what today's topic is? Yeah, I don't even. I don't even know. You didn't tell me. You didn't give me any hints. I didn't tell you jack shit. Mm-mm. So today we're going to be talking about ventriloquism. Oh hell no. And it's demonic beginnings. Oh my God. Fuck yes. Okay. I've got a couple of nightlights I can put my writer. <laughs> We're okay. Just don't put any goosebumps on after this. All right. Yeah. Pre- prepare thyself. Okay. So information for this episode was pulled from the following sources. A 2019 Atlas Obscura article by Sabrina Imbler. A 2016 Atlas Obscura article by Andy Wright. A 2016 Vintage News article by David Gorin. A 2016 History Things article by Hannah. Kind of like Cher, but Hannah. Nice. And as always, our friends at Wikipedia. Much love. So 2016 was the year of demonic ventriloquism history. Apparently. Must have had a resurgence in ventriloquism. I wonder if that's kind of when, like, Jeff Dunham and all those guys came out of the woodwork. 2016? That seems late. Maybe there was some weird ventriloquism scandal. I don't know. Hold on. I got to look at ventriloquism scandal 2K16. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. Uh <laughs> Famed ventriloquist Terry Factor has been accused of elder abuse. 
the spring oh. of 2016. <gasps> Maybe that's where it came from. Was he using the elders as ventriloquist dummies? Well, on that fun note, links to all of these articles will be included in the show notes. All right. So before we dive into the paranormal stuff, we're going to explore what ventriloquism actually is besides creepy as fuck. Yeah. Putting your hand up a wooden doll's butt. So for those of you who have no idea what this is, and you're probably in the minority, uh, ventriloquism is when you alter your voice to make it sound like it's coming from somewhere else. That's the definition. That's the definition. Huh. That's that's the definition that I condensed down. Oh, there was a lot. There was a lot more to it, but in a nutshell, ventriloquism is when you are able to project your voice so it appears. Way to lady explain that. Shut it. <laughs> wow. I don't even know what to say to that. <laughs> I'm gonna close my legs now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yep. The act of like talking for something else. Yep. And ventriloquism was probably most popular during the time of vaudeville and Mm -hmm. its popularity died off around the 1960s, but it actually started that long. Yep. Well, if you'll remember, like those acts were really big when television first came around remember? Yeah. Like Howdy Doody and all those guys. Yeah. Ventriloquism actually started all the way back in ancient Greece. Yeah, you heard me. Okay. And back then, ventriloquists were known as engastrements. Ooh, that sounds gross. Which is a mashup of N, as in in, mm-hmm. gaster for the stomach, and mythos, which means word or speech. So in the stomach, words in the stomach. Okay, good. I thought that was going to be something else. No. Cool. And it's also been stated that the art of ventriloquism has roots in necromancy. Gross. Which is, for those of you that don't know, which is when a necromancer would allow a spirit to possess its body to talk to the living. Nope. Which is not creepy at all. Mm -mm. This practice specifically in Greece was known as gastromancy where the diaphragm was used to project the voice without moving the lips. Are they, do you think they're, they made that as an excuse for like when natural gases escape a dead body and sometimes it sounds like. Like words. Yeah. Maybe. And then they were like, this is magic. And it's like, no, it's actually just like the body saying we're done. Yep. Goodbye. It's going to get real gross in three, two. Mm. <laughs> Insert flatulent sound here. Yeah. Like lots of them. Lots. So much liquid. The ancient Greeks <laughs> believed that engastromus were people who had demons in their bellies. That would force the person it possessed to basically burp out whatever it wanted to say. Uh Uh-huh. I feel like my theory is is correct. (laughs) (laughs) And even though the very idea was terrifying at that time, Mm -hmm. many people in Greece used their talents as an engastromyth to entertain people. Because demons are hilarious. 
<laughs> and gross. <laughs> right? And also to perform divination, kind of like Professor Trelawney, only way more terrifying and less Emma Thompson. Well, like this, this just proves that burp jokes have always been funny. And fart jokes. Hilarious. <laughs> what are those demons? Uh, early ventriloquism was part of a mystic religious practice. Ooh, what religious practice? I'm going to tell you. So in this religion, divine individuals would imitate departed spirits. And the Greeks built a temple in Delphi in the 6th century BC, where Greek oracles spoke to the god Apollo through his priestess, Pythia. Okay. And Pythia would stand in a trance, mouth still, as words came from the sky or a sacred stone. In fact, the Delphic Oracle, as they were also known, continued to be consulted in this manner until as late as the 4th century AD. Wow. It's for a long ass time. Because like not to be rude or anything, but like having a god talk through a rock is kind of cooler than a bush. It is, right? Hot dish, hot take. Hot (laughs) take, hot plate. (laughs) TM, TM, TM. <laughs> Please don't bully us, Twitter. <laughs> I'll take my plan. My God texted me through a rock. <laughs> and he says this is perfectly normal. Right. He says that you're not supposed to talk to me through your stomach anymore. And then 150 AD, a man by the name of Alexander of Abano Tychus. Tychus. That's that's Abano Tychus. Abano Tychus. I like it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go with it. I don't know any Greeks that might counteract that. Just don't close the cubby. We're good. Drew quite a bit of attention when he discovered a snake with a human head that could talk. No. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And one of Alexander's friends, a man named Lucian, who documented the story, believed the head to be a fake that was placed over the real head of a snake with a tube somehow attached to it so that it could speak. And he was right. I like that better. (laughs) (laughs) There's a snake with a human face. Just like hanging out in Greece (laughs) next to the rock. (laughs) Hi, guys. Apollo here. (laughs) Yes, the rock's tired. I'm just going to... I'm going to spitball here and just uh, help you out. You're welcome. Totally not fake, by the way. Definitely not. I just come on down from Olympus. This is my real face. (laughs) I didn't get any work done. I am very handsome. It takes a lot of work to make a a man body. So I'm going to stick with the snake. So I just kind of, you know, (laughs) have assed it. (laughs) Gross. Gross. So he had like a fake head with a tube in his mouth. That poor snake. Yeah. So Lucian was right. And thankfully, entertainers now don't use animal carcasses to try and wow their friends at parties. It was a dead snake? It was a dead snake. Gross. That's worse. No. It's it's pretty bad because... It would have been been animal cruelty otherwise. Like now it's just the desecration of a body. (laughs) Yeah, because now it's like... It's a dead human head on a dead snake that he shoved a tube inside of. Real? It was a real human head? It was a real human head. You didn't say that. 
It was implied. Yes. <laughs> implied. What? I said we discovered a snake. I think we use dead human heads all the time, you know, for parties. They're just laying around. They're just everywhere. I was thinking it was like paper mache or some shit. No. Oh my God. I said he discovered a snake with a human head. Like a dog. Oh God. It was a dead person's head on a dead snake with the tube inside of it. That went, meh, meh, meh. Oh, fuck that guy. Yeah, that guy's a piece of shit. Wow. Good on Lucian for calling him on his bullshit. What was, his name was Kevin? <laughs> <laughs> Alexander of know, asshole. <laughs> Alexander of I'm an asshole. <laughs> it's implied. <laughs> <laughs> It was. That's, that's the title of the episode. It's, it's implied. implied. <laughs> that's so fucked up. It's like if he was using a real human head, was it like mummified? I don't know. There's like the mummified snake. Like, yeah. This snake hasn't slithered in like 10 years. <laughs> Alex, like, what the fuck? well, there haven't been any snakes around here. <laughs> He's like, well, that rock hasn't moved. <laughs> it was the same thing. He found the snake under the rock. <laughs> yeah, he did. That's the story. He was like, he just, he's the actually rock, the, <laughs> the rock birthed the man face snake. <laughs> His name is Kevin. I was just walking past ye, ye old speaking rock and just happened to notice this snake with a human head slither on out. And I bro. said, what's up, bro? And he said, hey, my name's Kevin. <laughs> my name's Kevin. Do you know any fun parties? <laughs> you know where to get some wine? So Kevin is clearly dead and fake. Yes. Okay. Gastromancy and ventriloquism for ritualistic and religious purposes have also been part of the practices of the Zulu, Inuit, and Maori peoples as well. Okay. Which is kind of cool. Yeah. Did they also use human heads? I didn't go that far in my research. I would hope that the answer is no. (laughs) Okay. Cool. Cool, 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 cool. So if we time travel a few centuries. Okay. We get to a point in history where hearing voices Mm. takes on a whole new connotation. Schizophrenia. (laughs) (laughs) You are so close. <laughs> okay. I was going more with witchcraft and possession. Oh. <laughs> you really shit the bed with that one. <laughs> I went into the DSM. I'm sorry. Witchcraft. <laughs> I didn't say a few centuries, yeah. but not like in the year 2000. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, witchcraft, got it. <laughs> so we're talking witchcraft and possession got it got it got both it. of which are pretty bad really terrible not great would not recommend pretty bad news bears for anybody involved well, witchcraft isn't bad but possession is yeah like that's my body i don't know you 
So during the Reformation, a nun by the name of Elizabeth Barton in Kent was well known for her ventriloquistic prophecies. Ooh. Okay. However, when she shared that King Henry VIII shouldn't marry Anne Boleyn, what up, great auntie? She very quickly found herself out of favor, hanged, and we all know that Anne didn't fare much better after her marriage to the king, unfortunately. Took two swings. Yep. With a dull sword that should have been sharpened. So Christianity continued to crash the party in the 16th century. Sounds about right. When they started believing that ventriloquism was a form of witchcraft, because why not? I mean, it could be. Yep. Start bringing dead snakes into it. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> so as the witch trials began to spread throughout Europe, ventriloquism was deemed as an unholy practice spawned from hell itself. Wow. This is, this is good. You're going to like this one. Okay. I'm ready. In fact, people believe that the demonic voices emanated from any of the numerous holes in the body, including the vajayjay and the anus. Yeah. Babies come from that, too. The devil talks from my lady parts. And then he comes out with a face. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, no snake body yet, so we're good. <laughs> oh. Because no one likes to party alone, they even believe that animals could join the fun by possessing people's bowels. So, like, the dog would possess your butt? Your bowels. So, actually, it's funny that you said dog, because there is an account of a young boy in the 1500s in England oh, no. who was believed to have baying hounds playing house in his tum-tum. You sure that's not just like IBS or some shit? Maybe he was a celiac. You don't know. He just had devil dogs rolling all up in his gut. Maybe he was allergic to the bubonic plague. You never know. <laughs> I don't know. God damn it. Bunch of dogs in his butt? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> My dogs are barking had a whole different connotation for that boy. <laughs> It's just his butt. Poor kid. <laughs> oh. Did they say that because that's what he sounded like when he had when he was flatulating? I have no idea. It just said it's just that they, It just said that they actually believed he had baying hounds in his stomach. Wow. Yep. But that kid was a hit with the ladies. So once the 18th century rolled around, most people believed that ventriloquists weren't channeling Satan and his minions. And hellhounds. And hellhounds. And they even began to perform for audiences, even though the addition of a dummy wouldn't become popular, popularized. I cannot fucking talk. Popular. Popularized <laughs> until the 19th century. In 1796, Sadler's Wells Theater in London featured a peg-legged ventriloquist named Joseph Askins. He became a sensation over the next two weeks and later went down in history as the first ventriloquist to perform in a theatrical auditorium. Good for him. I just like that he was a jaunty little pirate that was a ventriloquist. Yeah. And like, did it well. Did it right. Mm -hmm. Hashtag inclusivity. <laughs> right? <sighs> the early 19th century was the start of the golden age of ventriloquism. There was a golden age. Yes. Gross. I thought The Rock was the golden age. Nope. Okay. All right. Lay it on me. The early 19th century was the start of the golden age of ventriloquism, mm -hmm. becoming a popular stage act that quickly gained international attention. 
Ventriloquist performed at a wide variety of venues, such as parks, fairs, pubs, races, and with other entertainers of the day. Like clowns. Yes. Think circus acts like strong men and acrobats. Gross. And some popular ventriloquists of the day even traveled to perform for a variety of audiences. Comedian Fred Russell began performing in public in 1882 as a hobby. <laughs> as a hobby, because, you know, that gets you the ladies. Yeah, he was actually a birder originally. Um, he raised carrier pigeons to talk about Ka-ka. his own. He wrote his own copy. Hear ye, hear ye. I'm good. I'm good at this. There's a pigeon. Please feed pigeon. Please return to sender. <laughs> In 1886, he became a permanent show at London's Palace Theater. Wow. So he must have been pretty good. Okay. Okay, hobby. And he soon developed the familiar technique of using a dummy to have a back and forth conversation. Oh, so he's the one that's ruined everything. Okay, I take it back. He's the one that made it terrifying. He's awful. So in his show, Russell would perform with a dummy named Coster Joe. He had, quote, big eyes, round cheeks, and looked like a young boy in appearance. Creepy. I've seen pictures, and they're terrifying. Coster Jones? Yeah. C-O-S-T-E-R Joe. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) No. Why does he have so many teeth? Yep. Oh, no. Yep. Oh, he has so many teeth. Yeah, that's terrifying. So Coster's popularity, the dummy's popularity, inspired other ventriloquists, such as Edgar Bergen and Paul Winchell. And Russell is often credited as being the father of modern ventriloquism. Thank you. Several successful figures in the ventriloquism scene would perform with an entire family of dolls. Oh, God. Which added more complexity to the act for that wow factor. Yeah, that's an adjective for Mm -hmm. it. Okay. And the quote-unquote grandfather of ventriloquism, a performer by the name of the Great Lester, was born Harry Lester in September 1878, and he performed with his dummy Mm -hmm. named Frank Byron Jr. Wait, so he's the grandfather? Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, okay. Google Frank Byron Jr. Dummy. Mm. I want to see your face. Well, why does he look like that? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, God. There's like, oh, I don't like it. No. Has a wonderful way with the ladies. Yeah. Yeah. So Lester, the great Lester, claimed to be the first performer to drink while his dummy spoke. But it was later confirmed that the first time this trick was performed was actually in 1821. So I'm curious to know that was way before Fred Russell started performing. His little fake police report says that he was born in Wisconsin and the dummy was 30 years old and was a vampire. Oh, my God. His occupation is money getter. (laughs) I hate it. (laughs) So now I'm wondering if this trick was, quote unquote, performed for the first time in 1821. 
I wonder if it was our friend, the peg white ventriloquist that did it because the other one didn't do performing with a dummy until 1886. Oh God. There's a picture of his hands. I gotta oh get out God. Of get out of there. Oh my God. <laughs> Run away. I just scrolled down and I just saw like these horrible dummy hands. Like, like when you go on like a manicure website and they show their like wonderful nails. It was just these horrifyingly deformed wooden hands. What the fuck? I'm great with the ladies. <laughs> Let me caress your face. Me, me. Oh, don't touch me with those. Okay. So even with the advent of dummies, yeah. many show attendees would find the act of inanimate objects, quote unquote, coming to life, extremely unsettling. Yep. And you paid money for that. Yeah. Voluntarily. So it's not surprising that ventriloquist dummies have since become extremely popular in the horror scene. Yep. Like Goosebumps. Saw. Chucky. I don't watch horror movies. I don't know. <laughs> I don't either. So yeah, that's that's all I got. Yeah, like I'm sure there's some like demonic version of Pinocchio or something out there. So because that was kind of short, I do have another story for you. So another way that the spirits could speak with the living was mm. through the use of spirit trumpets. Is this the same sort of thing where they just put the trumpet toward the decaying body and the gas would play music? Nope, nope, nope. Similar but different. It's always flat. It's always flat. <laughs> Flatulence, flat. <laughs> so now we're going to go to the Victorian era. During the height of spiritualism in the Victorian era, mm-hmm. one of the biggest issues that arose when speaking to the dead was the fact they didn't seem to have a volume switch. Oh, they were mumblers. So spirits seemed to only speak in whispers that were hard for people to hear and decipher. Wow. And mediums quickly developed a solution to this spectral conundrum. They just shouted in trumpets? Cool. (laughs) In the form of the spirit trumpet, (laughs) which was a super fancy name for a skinny cone that was used to amplify the voices of the dead. So... Pre-spirit trumpet, all communication with the dead was done in nonverbal forms, such as raps or spelling out words, the use of devices such as Ouija boards. The introduction of the spirit trumpet was a game changer for mediums because it allowed the dead to speak directly to the living. Yeah. And a man by the name of Jonathan Coons is credited as popularizing the use of the spirit trumpet during seances in the late 19th century. Coons built a spirit room in a cabin on his farm in Athens County, Ohio, where guests could witness free public seances. That's kind of nice. Yeah. And it's noted that Coons' son, Nahum? 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 We're just going to go with Nahum, because that sounds fun. He most likely invented the spirit trumpet. So the idea behind the spirit trumpet is that spirits would possess the vocal cords of the medium that was in a trance. Okay. And the dead required all the sound amplification that they could get since it's hard to project your voice in a spirit room. I mean, shyness is a thing, you know? Yeah. And it was said that the trumpets would supposedly float around the air thanks to the psychic energy that was being used. 
Wow. Mm-hmm. So they, they could flow out of your mouth. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Really help project. Yeah. So the first spirit trumpets were homemade out of metal or cardboard. And they kind of looked like simple narrow cones, like when you roll yeah. a piece of paper. And as the popularity grew, they became fancier and were made of from course. better materials, such as steel. And they could extend or contract and slot into one another like a telescope. Ooh. And some even had glow-in-the-dark accents. So radiation? <laughs> Radium! <laughs> so Everett Atwood Eckel is credited as being the first commercial manufacturer of spirit trumpets at his tin shop in Anderson, Indiana. Nice. Fun fact. Way to make a name for yourself. Yeah. So Victorian seances tended to follow a very simple schedule. And with the addition of the spirit trumpet, the schedule went a little like this. Okay. So when everyone arrived. Yeah, you walked in, sat down. Everybody be quiet. They'd sit around a circle. Okay. Pray. Yeah. And maybe sing a, sing a hymn. Yeah. In, com- in complete darkness. Gross. Yeah. And after that, the summoned spirit would rap on the floor to let the party know that it has showed up. Like, hey, I'm here. <laughs> New boots. <laughs> <laughs> and the raps would vary in volume. Based on the boots. From like super slight knocks. Yeah. To thunderous blows. Timberlands. To shake people's chairs. Yeah. Next, the table would levitate or sometimes spin or turn sideways. It's just, they're just showing off at that point. Yeah. But it wasn't until after all of this that the spirit trumpet would be brought in for the medium to use. Got it. And once the spirit was done saying their piece. Like exercising. Yeah. Yep. Doing their dance routine. Yep. The trumpet would crash to the floor to announce its departure. Like dropping the mic. Like dropping the mic. Wow. OG mic drop. They're just like. Okay, so all these ghosts were like. I'm out. Like really douchey comedians, essentially. Pretty much. Like, hey, I'm here. It's like, you see how much I can lift? I don't even want to talk to you. Bye. Makes like a fart noise as it drops. (laughs) (laughs) So that's um, the demonic history of ventriloquism and the fun invention of spirit trumpets. There you go. Fun for who, though? Just a douchebag ghost. Yeah, I suppose. The fuckboy ghost. So what do you think? I thought it was great. Um, I hate (laughs) ventriloquist dummies. Um, Just okay with puppets. Don't really like puppets. No. Even as a 90s kid, when puppets were like a thing in like all television at the time. Yeah, it was, it was actually, it was fun. This was way better than the cannibal. So thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. I appreciate it. I uh, thought I'd try to keep it light for the yeah. next couple episodes. Yeah, I think the only dark spot was that there was a human skull attached to a dead snake. <laughs> 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 You're just going to go over that. No, we're fine. When Maddie and I first came up with the idea for this podcast, I had no idea where to start. What platform should I host it on? How do I get us listed or track my statistics? And that's where Buzzsprout came in. Buzzsprout is the trusted host for over 100,000 podcasters, and it was easy to see why. With their directory integrations, it was simple to ensure content being published on platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. 
From day one, I've been so impressed with how easy it was to get set up, and their customer support team has been so quick at getting back to me whenever I had a question or needed help. Not only that, but being able to get a comprehensive list of statistics on our show performance has been a fascinating read. If you're interested in starting a podcast of your own or making the switch to a new provider, please click the link on our show notes and get a $20 Amazon gift card when you sign up for a paid plan. Bonus, by clicking on our unique URL, you help support our show, which means we'll love you forever. So why not get started today? We did and couldn't be happier. Buzzsprout, the best way to launch a professional podcast. Do it. Do it. So this week, we are plugging another podcast. And this week's podcast is the Movie Chef podcast, which is run by chefs Tebs and Korn where they offer a three-course meal of movie news, reviews, and a tour through movies past and present. Cool. And if you love learning and talking about the silver screen, we encourage you to give The Movie Chef a listen, and we will include a link to their podcast in our show notes. That's awesome. That sounds really interesting. I actually think Dad would like that. He probably would. Hey, Dad, you should click the link. Click it. I bet it's, I bet it's really great. You should click the link. You should do it. Listen to it. I think you'd like it. All right. Do you have a fun thing you'd like to talk about? Yeah, I think so. So, like, my fun thing is um, so I've been working from home since the first week of March, and I never really had a desk or a chair. And I have dual monitors and a laptop and a laptop dock for my computer setup. And uh, for the past however many years we've been at home, I have had my computer on a trunk, like a che- like a chest. A chest you'd put a body in. Yeah. Picture, picture it. It's, it's a copper chest. I'm pretty proud of it. Um, anyway. It's a steamer trunk. And I've been sitting on the floor with a cushion like this whole time. And then occasionally when I can't stand it anymore, I'd take the laptop and just sit on the couch or something. So... I've been looking for a desk for a long time and I saw one at Ikea and it was sold out like constantly because of course everybody else is looking for a desk and a chair. And <laughs> I liked this one because one, it was cheap and two, it's a children's desk that grows with you. Um, it has three levels and I am at the teen level. So I'm feeling pretty good about myself, knowing that I'm never going to grow anymore. And I can't, I can't grow into the adult table, which is kind of sad. Um, and I also have a kid's uh, chair and it swivels and I really like it a lot. So cheers to not ruining my back anymore. Um, and yeah, I'm really I like it a lot. I feel like an adult now with a desk. I'm a big kid now. And also, in other news, so um, I don't know if y'all have Walmarts by you or if you're like very against Walmart, which some people are. It's fair. Um, They have these white, like these plain white tennis shoes that I love to get. They're like $5. And I have small feet, so I use kids' shoes for that too. And I haven't been able to find my size all summer. And it's been really bumming me out. And so I found out that I could order them online. And so I ordered three pairs. So watch out fall. 
I'm about to have white shoes for like five minutes before I get mud on them. <laughs> I can't get it out. But if I do, I have two backup pairs. Yeah. Because those shoes are like, I mean, they're $5. So yeah, they're not that great, but they bring me joy. So I'm happy that I'm getting shoes. There you go. How about you? I came woefully underprepared for this question. <laughs> To my own podcast. You don't have anything good to say. No, I do. I just had to think about it for a second. I am very grateful for the fact that uh, I was finally able to get my driveway resealed. Oh, yeah. I know that seems like such a stupid grown-up thing to be excited for, but we haven't retarred our driveway since we bought our house five years ago. Mm-hmm. And just so you guys know, when you live up north... And ice, there's ice and snow and salt. It just destroys everything. Yeah. So eventually it just like eats up all the tar that's on your driveway mm-hmm. and you have to yeah. get it redone. So um, we finally got that done. Nice. It looks amazing. Although, as tar does. <laughs> as tar does. I mean, look at the Librea pits. Although I have a sneaking suspicion that there's this, there's this little tiny lump at the end of the driveway. Oh, no. And I have a sneaking suspicion that either an acorn got in there or a toad. Body? A toad. <gasps> a toad? So there may be a dead toad entombed in our driveway now. Well, if you get a human head, you can start spirit. <laughs> Five years from now, when it dislocates itself from the rest of my driveway, I can dislocate. be like, I can be like, hey, I can use the skeletal toad to speak from the dead. Blah, 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 blah. That just, that tar reminds me of the Sam and Max video game. Oh, yeah. I wish I could play that. I, I doubt they like... I feel like I tried to look something up for it like a long time ago, and I don't think there's anything. What? Sam and Max Save the World 2006? It's on Steam. <sighs> Are we about to do what I think we're about to do? Get a PC and take over the world? <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, you can get it for Wii, Microsoft Windows, or Xbox 360. Else, you could time travel and put it on your Xbox 360. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) Does this work for Chromebooks? (laughs) Oh my God, it looks. It looks almost. Oh my God, it looks like the same thing. Is that the one where they would find like Bigfoot and stuff where they went on the yeah. road trip? And like the golf, the mini golf. Oh God. Like the world's lo- largest ball of twine. Yeah. They went on like this road trip and they went to like yeah, all yeah, of yeah. the, oh God, I loved that game. Oh my God. And then the, the, the woolly mammoth. Yes. And you had to get the mammoth hair. Yes. Wow. Okay. So sorry, friends. You won't hear from me forever now. <laughs> I am now going to have to put up a help wanted ad for a new co-host for this oh podcast. Oh my God. I am so excited. This is like our Animal Crossing. Let's be clear. It looks, oh my God, it is the same. <sighs> Please send a link to me. I want to experience oh this. <laughs> I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs> this is my thing this is my i take it all back this is i'm happy now 
There's a season one and a season two. Oh my God. Look at those graphics. I know. Oh my God. So good. You know, I have to buy an Xbox 360. Where do you buy them? (laughs) Goodwill? Uh, Cool, cool. I'll do that. Oh my God. My birthday's coming up. Somebody buy me a Wii. Because I don't have any of this. I thought you wanted rocks. I thought you wanted a rock tumbler. I do want a rock tumbler. <laughs> I'm a 31 year old lady <laughs> with, a, with an Xbox 360 and a rock tumbler. <laughs> Both of which I got a goodwill. <laughs> and no one can come to my house because you have Corona. Should we end this? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Podcasting. <laughs> no. <laughs> we care about you. <laughs> I have to cut like 20 minutes out of this. <laughs> I was just like going, <laughs> you can find us online at yieldcrimepodcast.com and follow us on social media at yieldcrimepod on Twitter and yieldcrimepodcast on Instagram. You can also email us at yieldcrimepodcast at gmail.com. And if you're enjoying the podcast so far, please consider giving us a five-star rating or review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, as it's super awesome, makes us feel good about ourselves. Yeah, we have our own little thing about like, if we ever feel down, we have like a few posted reviews that we're, we, we keep close to our hearts because you guys yeah. are really cool. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, you make us feel good. We just thought our parents were going to listen to this. (laughs) I know, yeah. (laughs) You guys are awesome. It makes me feel good about myself. So so please keep doing that. And if you really like us, you can also support us at Yield Crime Podcast on Patreon. And I promise stuff's actually going to be up there soon because I'm actually going to start working on it. We're going to start streaming us playing Sam and Max. And as always, I'm Lindsay. And I'm Madison. (laughs) We'll see you next time with another tale as old as crime.